Welcome back to Dignity Leadership's podcast. I'm Rich Levine. I'm the founder of Dignity Leadership Consulting. Leading is learning and growing. We made a few mistakes in the first one. We're going to try to cover those up and get a little better. But anyway, today I've got two guests with me. So I've got Jacqueline Flores back in the house. Welcome back, Jacqueline. Hi, thank you for having me, Rich. And new to the show today is Rebecca Griego. Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks, Rich. I'm so glad to be here. So I had the pleasure of meeting these two um, through, uh, through our master's program. We're working on being leaders. And, and part of the premise of the show and what I'm trying to accomplish is, is leading with dignity. And what does that really mean? So number one, I think we've got to let go of the ego. We've got to be humble. And we've got to come to it from understanding that we all make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Lord knows I've made millions and millions of mistakes. But anyway, so what I want to talk about is, you know, what are we doing as leaders to grow? And what do you guys, I've got you here for a couple of reasons, right? Because everybody thinks they're a leader. They become a manager. You're a leader. You're a coach. You're a leader. But are you really a leader? So let's kind of dive into that. And so, Jacqueline, I want to start off with you. We're going we're gonna to pick on you first. All right, so, let's do it. Let's do it. So can you give us your personal concept of leadership, what it means to you? So it can mean so many different things, right, Rich? Um, when it comes to mind for me, though, leadership is the act of leading through um, influential skills skills like active listening, um, feedback you're giving and receiving, uh, empathizing with people, you have your humility, you have the whole dignity portion. So you get you go smaller and smaller and smaller to all these different things, but everything wrapped up is, is leadership. It's doing the big thing. It's doing the right thing for everyone, for people. So mm -hmm. you and I were talking earlier before the show started, we're kind of like brainstorming ideas, what we want to talk about. And you told me that you love to micromanage. <laughs> now, so leadership comes in all different kinds of styles, right? There's all kinds of theories. I mean, you can look them up, you can read books, you can do all this different stuff. But micromanaging to me is negative mm -hmm. and it's a pitfall. And I, I think it's bad, but I don't want to be judgmental. But you were explaining to me like what you're doing on, on how you're trying to overcome that. So can you walk us through your personal journey of how you <laughs> identified that you're a micromanager and what you've learned from you know, what we've talked about? Yeah, of course. I don't mind. So micromanaging, yes, it's it, we go hand in hand, just like peanut butter and jelly. You, you can pick your flavor, though. Um, to me, I think it derives back from having to grow up. I come from two Mexican parents very traditional, um, lots of rules to follow. Was brought up here in the United States though, in El Paso, Texas. So border city, um, our culture was strong, was raised Catholic, went to private schools. There was a lot of rules to be followed. And I was the firstborn child. So I think all eyes were on me, or at least all the trial and errors were first through me and then my siblings. Um, so micromanaging came from that, came from hey, my parents expect this from me. My school expects this from me. Um, I made it to a varsity team and now I have to own my part, right? Um, as I've progressed now, you get to high school, you get to college. Now colleges are looking at you, uh, recruiters and stuff. So it's just all these different pressures, which to me was not that I had to be perfect, but I always wanted to do my best. 
So when it comes to micromanaging, I think of, I know what I've gone through. So I'm gonna, I see what you're doing now and I wanna help you. You can also be the best. You can also do it. If, it was cap if I was capable enough, you can too. So micromanaging to me came, yes, it's a negative thing. Um, and I acknowledge that it bothers a lot of people now. Not that it, I, I acknowledge it now, but it's always bothered people. Um, I don't know, how have I grown from it? Um, I think now that I realize what I'm doing, not right, not all the time do I realize that I'm doing it right off the bat. So we can be going through a situation, I could be saying like, hey Rich, uh, we're gonna go grab some ice cream. And you wanted to take a specific route to this ice cream place, but you're the one driving. And I know that I've gone a different route. I might suggest going a different route. And you, you're like, no, we, we're going the right way, right? Um, and after maybe the second or third time that I've suggested, that's when I, my brain is like, all right, Jackie, you are micromanaging. He knows where he's going. We're both going to the same location. Take a step back. So I take a moment now to maybe cool off, take a deep breath, listen to what you're saying. We're gonna get there. It's okay. Yeah, we'll get there. It's a journey, right? <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you gotta yeah. take a different road. And I think one of the aha moments for me when I was understanding is, is talking about, you know, you talked about your past, where mm -hmm. you grew up, your culture, what influenced you. And, and despite the fact that I grew up in little tiny Iowa, and I'm picking on Iowa, but, and you grew up in El Paso border town, and you said you had Hispanic or Mexican and you know, parents influencing you. And we all have these different backgrounds. And I know, as I was growing up, I had a lot of things that influenced me. But the aha moment for me was understanding that those are only just one way to do it. Mm -hmm. And that there's millions of ways to do things, right? So for me, it was, it was kind of working on, all right, how do we get from A to Z? Do you have to go all the way through the alphabet? Maybe you go backwards, you know? And, and for me, it was that aha moment. It's like, okay, let's take the past, let's try to understand it, and then let's find out what the other person has and the other desires. But for me, when, when I met you, I didn't see you as a manipulative, micromanaging <laughs> type person. So, so what things, what have you done to, to grow, to get out of that? I think I've learned to, to take a step back first, to listen what the other person has to say, because um, they might have you know, the same stuff to say. Uh, really giving them the opportunity to express their ideas and back up their own ideas it's almost like I'm accrediting them. I know that also sounds bad to a certain extent, but it, you know, it's step by step. I'm slowly getting there. Um, and after hearing what people have to say, I'm like, you know what? You're actually right. That can work too. Or yes, you know, I, I have a very bubbly um, personality, I would say. I'm always yes. smiling. It's yes, very constant and the dimples give it all away. So it's hard. I can see how it could be hard to, to say that I'm a micromanager and I'm mean and I'm demanding and all this stuff, but that's taking a step back and realizing what I've been doing and know how I've affected people in the past is where, okay, now I'm going to take a step back, listen, empathize with the others and know that they can too. Yeah, definitely. Rebecca, you look like you got something to add. Oh, I've just worked for a few managers who like to micromanage, um, me or other people and it's frustrating you've touched on building trust and trusting your team to do the correct things 
And if somebody's constantly micromanaging me, it makes me feel like they don't believe that I am capable of doing that. So they've trained me. I know my job very well. Um, not to sound conceited, but in a lot of ways, I think that I'm performing my role to my best capabilities, possibly better than even the person who trained me, yet they still are trying to micromanage that. So it's made me want to become secretive or do things um, just to kind of counterbalance that. And that's not a great way of handling that. And so hearing Jackie say that she's doing it from a place of wanting to make the team the best is interesting because I constantly wonder, why does my boss do this? Am I, <laughs> am I not doing well enough? Or what could I possibly do to stop him? All right, so this, this leads us into the perfect yeah. conversation. Yeah. So we've got want to micromanage, don't want to micromanage. Mm -hmm. So what would you, so let's just reverse it. Let's, what would you say to Jacqueline right now and say, hey, Jacqueline, boss lady, you're being a little bit too, uh, too manipulative here. What advice would you give Jacqueline? Um, so something that I found that has helped me is just asking for feedback personally. So I'll go to my manager and I'll ask him to go over specific things that I'm doing in my job. And I feel like I'm attempting to create a space where he could let me know if there was mm -hmm. something I could do differently or if he wanted to give me a tip or be helpful. I am creating an opportunity for him to do that so he didn't feel as if he had to overstep my boundaries where I felt comfortable. Yeah, and I think I think that's great advice getting down to the the personal level and understanding the person. But of course, so we got to have we're an equal opportunity podcast. So we got to make <laughs> sure that we we reverse the roles now. And Jacqueline, so you've got Rebecca as an employee. What advice actually reverse actually she would be your manager, you're her employee. What would you give her to help you become a better person as an employee so she can become a better leader? Yeah, so if she was the one micromanaging me, it, I mean, she hit it pretty well. Um, making her understand where I feel comfortable, what my capabilities are, let her know that um, I was hired to do a specific role and I had my accreditations for them. Um, so if they had any questions, let's build this communication where you're asking me, not suggesting or demanding, but letting me know or I letting her know this is where we're at with the project maybe what else could be done? Let's work together. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great comment. And I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I follow a lot of different people. And Bridget Hysenth is on there, and she puts out a bunch of stuff. And, and she put a quote out not too long ago that said, micromanagement is a complete waste of time. It sucks the life out of employees, fosters anxiety, creates a high-stress work environment. So, Becca, talk about that. I mean, you're, you're like shaking your head over here adamantly. Yes. So have you been in one of those high-stress, drama-filled work environments? I have, and I think it is anxiety-producing. Um, and we were also talking, as a leader or a manager, they have their own role to do, and they're taking away their time and resources to be able to properly lead the department if they are over analyzing every step that I do. Um, for a team to work, everybody needs to perform their role to their best capability. And you have to have trust and faith that you've created a team that is able to do that. And once you know that each of them can handle their own roles, it opens you up to a wider set of possibilities for leadership. 
Yes. And I think you touched on a, on a key point there that I want to elaborate on. And, you know, if you're a new manager and you're getting into leadership and everybody expects managers to be leaders, it's just it's the words are synonymous now. Unfortunately, they're synonymous. I don't believe they should be, but they are. But, you know, you're you're working on this and you're going, you know, I need you. Here's the spreadsheet. You got to hit these numbers. Here's the budget. You got to hit these numbers. Here's your sales goals. You got to hit this. You know, whatever it is you're doing, whatever you're building, you know, you're a baker. You got to make sure get X number of dozen donuts out, you know, and the, those things are, are so hard, but what, so Jackie, what advice would you give to a new manager coming in to say, you know what, it's not so much about the numbers. There's more to leadership. So I think, um, my advice to another manager would simply be right off the bat. First, let your team know that micromanaging maybe is one of your downfalls, or at least that's what I have done in the, in the recent, um, times here because I want to let them understand that I'm not doing it to hurt them. I am doing it because maybe we are required to see a certain amount of things throughout that quarter, throughout that month. Um, and the fact that I have the pressure on me creates um, maybe some nerves or anxiety for myself. So I just want to look over things in order to best perform. Now, if they have better suggestions to not micromanage and, hey, I got your back too, then that creates that trust mm -hmm. and we can move on from the micromanagement. So I'd, I'd let the other manager know, if I was giving them advice, to be transparent, to talk to their employees first and um, kind of listen to them and know what their skills are so that they're more comfortable allowing them to do the tasks. Mm -hmm. So in order for a leader to do those things right you got to do a couple things so number one you got to listen mm -hmm. and listening is a critical skill that i think a lot of people they might say they're good at it um i'm going to argue that they're not I, i'll flat out tell you i thought i was a terrible listener i still am a terrible listener but i'm improving because i'm understanding that you've got to listening isn't just a one-way type of communication it's not just me as a recipient hearing what you're saying right but it's also trying to understand what that person's going through what are they telling you and then there's also you know it, some of that stuff comes in as feedback and when somebody gives you feedback you get a little upset right somebody starts telling you something they're attacking you as a person i mean have you ever had any feedback where somebody's like damn you know that's spot on that's so me but and you just want to fight it have you ever had an experience like that I think during some personality assessments that we've done, reading back the results, my initial thought is to just become defensive on some of the traits that aren't maybe what I would think as positive. So I instantly get defensive. But Jackie, you mentioned this earlier. One of the best things I've learned is to be able to take a pause. And if that's if I'm in an argument or in a personal relationship or if somebody's giving me feedback or if I just feel an overwhelming sense of emotions come in being able to just pause take a breath and kind of reset um, has helped me so much and then I can look at it more objectively I get past that initial fight or flight so I don't want to run away or fight somebody I can start processing yes. it so it's it's interesting you bring up fight or flight because I've done a little bit of research on how the different chemicals in your brain affect you. <laughs> and fight or flight um, is a chemical, it's a hormone release. And when, when that happens, it puts you, it hijacks your brain and everything becomes hypersensitive or over-focused. And if somebody's attacking you, that's what that, that's what that whole, the whole mm -hmm. um, fight or flight is about. 
And then you become hyper-focused on what you think is the problem, and then you become over-defensive. And there's a lot of different ways that, um, that we can overcome that. Number one, you got to recognize it, right? Mm-hmm. And when you recognize it, um, you mentioned taking a time out. Sometimes we don't have extra time. You know, we're in a society where it's instant gratification, right? If you want an answer, you go to Google, bam, here it comes. Well, everybody starts to expect that. So somebody's attacking you. They're giving you feedback. And what I think is important about feedback is... Are you guys aware where the where the term feedback comes from? Rebecca, you might you got a military background. You might be a little bit familiar with this. Jacqueline, no? I do not know. So if my research is correct, I could be wrong, but I'm a blue and we'll talk about blues and all that other stuff later. So my research can't be wrong because I gotta be right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, feedback comes it's an old military term when they first came out with radios. And when you would try to talk to somebody, you would have feedback on the other end so you couldn't hear them. That's exactly what happens with human beings. If I'm saying something to you that you don't like or don't agree with, it becomes scrambled, it becomes mm-hmm. muffled, and you only pick up little pieces of what the message is. Mm-hmm. And what you pick up out of that message is what you don't like. And then your brain becomes hijacked, and now you're super hyper-focused, and I'm a jerk. <laughs> so how do we, I mean, if you're going to help somebody, how do you, do you guys have any ideas how you'd help somebody overcome the fight-or-flight syndrome? I mean, I know you said that we don't have a lot of time in every instance, but for me, it is as simple as taking one breath, just a deep inhale and sort of a release of that and possibly having something that grounds you, a saying that brings you back to a certain point or reminds you um, has been most beneficial to me. But you really have to get to a point where you know yourself you know what's going to trigger you, you know what's going to help ground you, and you know all of this, and that breath can just recenter you in half a second. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think to piggyback off of that, and it's it's pretty silly, but the current relationship that I am in, um, always, right? We're communicating, we're we're talking to one another, and he knows my triggers. But those moments still happen. So the the taking the breath or that recognition of okay, what's that saying? It's I ground myself by reminding myself that I chose to be in this relationship because I love him. So what he is telling me should be because he loves me too, right? He's coming from a perspective of growth, from helping me. So even though I will be triggered or I'm a little bit ticked off with whatever he's got to say, my mind is hijacked. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So this, this comes down to attitude. And if Mm -hmm. you have a positive attitude, you can overcome these things. And if you think positive about it, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, this person isn't trying to tell me how bad I am. They're Mm -hmm. just trying to tell me some weaknesses on how much better I can become. And as soon as you flip that switch in your brain and you get rid of the negativity and you totally think positively all the time, I mean, it opens up a whole world of outcomes. So one of the things I always like when I'm working with managers, you know, that are wanting to become leaders, it's like, you're going to get feedback. People are going to tell you things you don't like. But here, number one, I think what you got to do is you got to drop the ego. Mm-hmm. And I think egos get in the way so often. Um, I mean, have either one of you ever had an experience where you were dealing with somebody and all of a sudden out came their ego and they started attacking you? Maybe, maybe in college, I think. It was a lot of working with trying to fix financial aid or you going to the registrar, you know, office and you wanted to fix maybe a course or um, an aid that they were supposed to grant you. And immediately because you were the student, 
they were like, you're wrong. Like this was printed and it's on your account for a specific, you know, reason. So their egos came out because it's like, we're the adults here, you know, quote unquote adults here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think those, that's the first one that comes to mind. So this is where I'm going to hijack the conversation (laughs) is when, when somebody tells you you're wrong, Mm -hmm. right? That is another leadership pitfall. You can't tell people they're wrong. Correct. You might tell them that they're not quite there yet. And I watched an interesting thing on, on YouTube and it was about a lady who was studying elementary education and these students were having troubles with, I I think it was math. It could have been anything, but we're going to use math and they weren't getting the exercises down right. Mm -hmm. But instead of her telling the kids that they were wrong, she would say, not yet. Mm. And that gave them hope, which is another key to leadership. If you give Mm -hmm. somebody hope that they have a chance to succeed, they're going to continue to work hard for you. Mm -hmm. If you tell somebody, Jacqueline, you're wrong, you're going to shut down. Yeah. And then you're hijacked. And then you start giving negative feedback, and we go back into this vicious circle where you got to have that open communication and the listening that continues to go mm-hmm. on and on and on. Um, Rich, you've mentioned it a couple of times. You're a big chemical guy and what's going on um, with your body and releasing chemicals. I like the psychology side more. Um, I like to know what people are thinking about certain things. So it's also been helpful for me to... If somebody's attacking me, take that breath, but also try to figure out why they're coming at me in a negative way and what I could do to help um, ease some of their tensions or prevent that or just figure out what's driving them to approach the situation in a negative, aggressive way. And maybe that's not fair, but flipping it on them and trying to figure that out. you gotta f- is helpful. I, th- I think that's good for a customer service like kind of deal. Either if, if you're behind the register, you know mm-hmm. that you have those uh, tedious customers sometimes. But if you're the customer, you know maybe you know that there are those customers that act mm-hmm. that way. Then you approach them a different manner with more respect. Maybe you know that they have a long way. So I like your example mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So here's what I would add: is leadership has all different kinds of of styles, right? So your style is more the psychological style, mine is more the science style, but that's what makes leadership so interesting. And I think what leaders have to understand is there is not one correct way to do everything. Mm -hmm. There's hundreds of ways. And it's important that we understand that we're all individuals. And I think as a leader, you've got to understand, number one, you got to understand yourself and what it is you're about and where you're going. And then from there, you can go on and you can take all these different things. Because we talked a little bit about your your concept of leadership earlier. Yes. And there's all these different theories out there. And there's all these books, right? Not one book is going to cover. You, know, you can't read one book and say, all right, I'm a leader. People do it. I don't advise it. But you've got to take all the different topics and all these different books and all these different sources. And then you got you know, you read them and then you take it in and you make it your own. And then it's kind of like, it's like medicine, right? I mean, to become a doctor, you've got to... You've got to practice, right? So you've got to do the same thing with leadership. You're going to go, you're going to read a book and then you need to write about it and then you need to think about it and then you need to exercise it. And that's, that's the practicing part. So I think a lot of people too much, put too much pressure on themselves and say, I'm a leader, I'm perfect. And that's like the farthest thing from the truth. I know by all means, I'm not perfect. I don't know about you guys. No, far from it as well. Yep. Always practicing though to get there, striving. 
I'm pretty close. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and in comes ego. Uh, no. right, so we're going to have a separate episode with Rebecca and I, and I'm going to do some one-on-one. -on -one. No. But, uh, um, um, I mean, ego is a big thing. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was just going to say I used an analogy once, and you you enjoyed it. And I was so afraid of bringing up this cookie analogy that I used in class, but I um, related that to different types of leaders and how they're slightly different. And each recipe can change. Maybe you have too much sugar or too much flour, and that will affect the different outcomes. But I don't think a perfect leader exists because every person that you're leading might need something different. Some people like those fluffy cookies and other people really want those ooey gooey cookies. It doesn't mean that one's better or worse or perfect or not perfect. It's just a continuum that we all get to figure out and it blends. It's a bit of a science. It's a bit of emotion and it all comes together if you keep working on it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that go into leadership. And, and for me, it's, it's looking at and it's adapting in, so leaders, there's a lot of different styles of leaders. I mean, we've had a lot of great leaders in this world. We've seen a lot of bad leaders. And then you also have, you got the followers, right? And leadership cannot exist if you don't have followers. Because if mm -hmm. no one's following you, are you really leading anybody? <laughs> and I think one of the things is another mistake that leaders may make or I've seen I've seen them make is assuming that all their followers are alike, Correct. and every single person is different. No two people think the same way. No two people act the same way. Identical twins aren't even the same. Yeah. So you get we got these experiences where you know, and I think part of my growing um, through this program and working with you guys, you gals, I should say, I got to fix that gals for gals. So, is is understanding. Um, those differences in how do we work with everybody to to you can't use a one size fit all mm -hmm. you can't use your grocery store cookies mm -hmm. you know you've got to you've got to customize it and you've got to get it down to the to the personal level so if i was if i was going to mentor a new manager i would tell them hey every person on your team is different they're unique and they all have these different lenses which with with they you know they see things through so you got any any insight or any color you want to add to that, Rebecca? Um, I was just mentioning this earlier. I was recently promoted to a new management role. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So is it a management nice. role or is it a leadership role? <laughs> My title is manager, um, but I think a good manager has a bit of leadership mixed into Absolutely. it. So, um, but taking time to learn the new role, um, a lot of people who are promoted feel like they were promoted based on their job that they were doing really well and they think they need to continue doing that and they don't quite realize, I didn't realize, that there was a whole different aspect now that I was promoted that I need to learn about. Um, and I was kind of starting over. So I brought that knowledge and different skills with me, but taking time, um, not focusing on my previous job and letting the person be that filled that role, do that, and sort of learn and grow into my new role. Yeah, that's that's important. I think a lot of people, like you just mentioned, believe that it's just an extension of what they were doing before, and then they start carrying some of those things along. And you get a title as manager, and obviously they put you there for a reason. You've got some skills, or at least we hope. And one of the one of the other things I see happening a lot in my career is I'll see people promote the highest 
producers, whoever can build the most widgets, whoever can sell the most whatever it is. And those people usually aren't the ones that are gonna become good leaders. Those people are performers and they're there for a reason. They're probably pretty happy where they're at. And then you put them in these, these leadership roles and they fail. And I see them fail a lot of time because it comes down to micromanagement. Well, I could sell 100 pieces in two hours. Why can't you do that? Mm-hmm. And they start drilling down on that spreadsheet. They start looking at those metrics. They don't, they don't pull that, infor- they don't pull the, uh, I call them the squishy feelings <laughs> into it. And I think a lot of leadership is squishy and we've got to get the, the human element into it and we've got to build trust. And I think we've, we've talked about this in the prior episode um, and Rebecca, I think you listened to that episode because you and I had some conversations. But building trust is critical to leadership. And so either one of you have any, any input on how a new manager can help build trust with their team? I liked what Jackie said about bringing up maybe some of what she knows she struggles with or maybe she micromanages. So being vulnerable with your team and opening that line of communication um, almost instantly creates some sort of sense of trust and that I can also meet her with that same vulnerability and open communication and we can grow from there. Yeah, I think for me, helping others uh, create that trust is maybe bringing yourself down to the other individual's level. Um, I know that I brought my micromanagement, um, I guess, examples from my family and and my sister and I have currently become very close because she finally now becoming her own person, you know, with her own ideas as she's grown up, she's been able, able to open up to me. I understand where she's coming from. Now I can, you know, pull myself back and we can work together. Yeah. That's, that's a great place to stop. So unfortunately we're up against the clock. We're coming down to the end. I want to thank both of you, Jacqueline and Rebecca for joining me today. And in closing, what I'd like to say is um, I think we picked up on two things today. Number one, micromanaging sucks. And number two, (laughs) you've got to build trust with your team. So if you're looking for more information on how you can help your team, how you can become a better leader, please reach out to me. I can be found on LinkedIn at rich.levine. I'm also on Facebook, Dignity Leadership Consulting. And we've got a uh, we've got a LinkedIn page. We've got an Instagram page. We've got some information out there. But by all means, if we can help you in any means, send us a note. We'll be happy to work with you. Thank you.